Hey, John. Hi, Marcy. How are you doing? I'm, you know, running as fast away from COVID as possible. Oh, love. I get it. I totally get it. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Theologians. My name's Marcy. My buddy John here is with us. Your main bitch, are... John. What? Your my main, main bitch. My main side piece, John Erickson. Uh, and we're here <laughs> to break down House of the Dragon. Um, thanks, everyone, for your patience. I was out for a couple episodes. I had surgery. I had a hysterectomy in the Gilead, and I survived it. You uh, survived. I survived. I, I'm doing as well as Serena is on uh, Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. So we're not breaking down Handmaid's Tale this season, mostly because the the show has jumped ship. But it's trash. Uh, it's, it's trash. Uh, but we are here for House of the Dragon. And John, you did a really special episode, right? Three, like a mega episode, right? We did a mega, mega, mega episode with Jacob, um, our amazing friend. My friend, you would love him. Um, I think so. And we were drinking Negroni Spagliatos as much as possible. That is my sexuality now. So same. And also, let me tell you, you probably don't experience this as acutely as I did as a woman living through this Negroni Spagliato bisexual fever dream. Right. But I just came back from a wedding um, and I was. Where was that wedding? Oklahoma City. Oh, wow. Uh, I know, you know, nothing, nothing more full of love than an open carry state. Nothing says liberal like Oklahoma City. <laughs> like Oklahoma City. Yeah, no, open carry everywhere. MAGA everywhere. Not going back anytime soon. <laughs> but I did get to spend time with loved ones uh, who are temporarily, hopefully, in Oklahoma City. And I went to bars and I was like, this is my time. I've, I've been on pain meds. I've been recuperating. I haven't been able to drink. It's my time to order a Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco in it. And my God, did I make a fool of myself at bars? <laughs> um, I did. I had really cute bartenders who were like this bitch and would just send me Negronis, right? I had some folks who were like, I don't have that, but I can make you like a hard Shirley Temple. And then I had some people who looked at me and were like, did you just figure out you're bisexual? And so it was like a really interesting week. Um, I actually don't think I have managed to have a, Negro, a Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco in it yet. I think I bought all the ingredients. Back. I'm going to. I heard Trader Joe's has like a huge setup and um, Emma has me convinced. It. I, I mean, I like Negronis, so it can only go up from there. So I bought everything and they were like almost sold out at almost every BevMo and every other place. So I had to buy like the humongous bottles of it. So I have Negroni Spagliatos for however long these episodes uh, stress me out. <laughs> we only have one more episode after these two. We're going to be covering episodes eight and nine today, y'all. So, um, but we only have one more episode and then we legitimately have to wait until 2024. And what other and pandemic will be happening? <laughs> I know, what on earth? Trumpism? <laughs> Will we still be a capitalist society or is this hellscape going to actually collapse on top of us before my student loan payments have to start? Um, who knows? Who knows? But the one thing we do know is that we have two episodes to cover. And I would say, aside from the Sir Harwin Strong sexiness that I just keep rewatching, like, 
again, I just took out my uterus. I don't want children. I am child-free by choice, happily married, but child-free. But every time he looks at Rhaenyra cradling that baby, I feel something. I don't know what it is. I think it's my evangelical upbringing where I'm like, yes, I will I will birth a child for that man. But aside from that episode, I think we're actually about to deep dive into two of the strongest episodes of the season. And I would say some of the most iconic imagery in the entire Game of Thrones um, multiverse at HBO. I mean, so, we've got a lot to talk about and let's go. Let's go. All right, John. So episode eight is the Lord of the Tides. And that's actually my drag name. It, I thought so. I, th- I, I was going to say it's your Irish dance name, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are at Driftmark, right? And we're about to have a bit of a, 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 a kiki about succession, right? Yeah. About who is the heir to Driftmark? Um, which has been a theme for the last couple episodes because there's two white babies. <laughs> there's a there's a few white babies, yes. There's a few white babies that that um that may not belong to Driftmark, right? So um in the episode Driftmark, we have Corliss assuring his his brother um or or assuring Lucerus right that he is his natural born grandson. That's it. That is like, that's it. Uh, the driftwood throne passes to him. Right. And, and, th- and that's it. It's settled. Right. And I think there's parallels here, right. To Viserys with Rhaenyra. And I, I like a show that says dads can do right by their kids. Dads can do right by their kids. And here's how we do it. Right. Cause these mamas are not going to, by the end of these four seasons, yeah, uh, this is, this is not your average absentee father, lovely mother stories, right? Um, and it's also not Disney's let's kill the mom and make the dad a bit of a himbo. Uh, we've got dads who were fiercely loyal, not only to their sons, but to their houses. And then um, we've got mothers who just cannot put their scorned tweenish love, right? And and inability to just have a talk to the side, right? Um, Like, we should all just talk. And we should all just ensure that, like, you know, let's just figure this out. (laughs) We We need to have a real conversation. Did you ever think that in the weirdest thing that, like, Patty Constantine's character, like, the king, obviously... Isn't it so interesting that in so many ways, the women of the Game of Thrones multiverse, but in this series, actually, like, are actually the ones that are causing a lot of generational trauma in so many ways that they seem, they seem to highlight these complex female characters and, and, and just that onion that they're peeling here with the moms. Yeah. Uh, so we've talked about, we've covered multiple seasons, right, of the multiverse. And we talked about how George R. R. Martin for all his faults, most specifically that I will die not knowing how Game of Thrones actually ends and only having HBO's rendition. Is it writes like beautiful, complex, nuanced, faulty, fully fleshed, breathing women. And um, I think when you think of the fact that we know 
right, that George R. R. Martin is pulling from the War of the Roses here, what he's saying is, you know, when we think of the War of the Roses, when we think of the Tudors, right, uh, we think of like Richard, right, we think of these men whose names kind of ride high, but the War of the Roses is a story of women. Um, if you have not seen the full breakdown of this, um, in the multiple, in the multiverse on stars, right? The white princess, white queen, red prince, or uh, red queen, red princess. Do so I need to watch it. those shows? Yes, yes. I um, I feel like a lot of Game of Thrones makes sense when you have a pretty working knowledge of the War of the Roses. Um, you can even start to pull who's who and, and kind of who he pulled from. But those were stories of women. I actually just like two days ago saw six, right? Which is the Tudors, right? The, um, the wives of Henry VIII. Um, I'm actually gonna see it again tomorrow. And the whole point is, it's weird that our names are attached to men who barely did shit while we are the catalyst, moving points, action items, choice points that created the history that we're talking about. So yeah, no, an amazing kind of like, flip of the head right of like these dads are like shut your fucking face that's my grandson he's melanated kind of <laughs> kind of i mean right like and and the fact that like um we've got viseras who's whose daughter he's itch he just won't hear it anything anything right and um and i like that so okay again we're in driftmark lord corliss has not arrived from one of his like seascapes or he we're actually getting a series entirely on the sea sea snake but he hasn't arrived there's a need to say who is actually at the seat of driftmark and uh his brother's like i just i don't think it's i I don't think it's these two white kids yeah he's just kind of like um yo bro um right he's like these are harwin strong's kids like and i'm done i'm done playing this game (laughs) Yeah, and then there's the misogyny of, I also won't give it, like, I will not give it to um, Lena's daughters, right? And here's the second-born son. We see second-born sons having significant roles in the show. Uh, Damon is a second-born son as well, saying, fuck you, I'm going to take this into my own hands. Clearly, he's talked to the Greens already. Clearly, he thinks he's safe to go to King's Landing and be like, those are bastards. And... um. I would say that the note here is don't think you're safe, right? So you should never, ever think you're safe in this universe. No, like court will turn its head to whoever is ruling at that moment. So like, it's a huge risk on his part that could have paid off, right? It could have paid off. Like if the cards had done a little bit differently, he's like, that's, that's a hoe. That's right. She That's home. my throne. And and the greens are like, yes, it is, and it's done. Right. So, like again, uh high, high cost, high reward. Let's see how it pays out. Right. So, how do Damon and Rhaenyra find out that this is all happening? Well, you know, <laughs> they're kind of like sitting there and understanding the fact that Damon and Rhaenyra just like. I don't know. It's so interesting because they're trying to like live this life back in Dragonstone and they get pulled back. And remember, it's been like six years since they've really seen each other. We're not even touching the time jumps because I I don't know how you feel about it. I feel like they're ineffective. I feel like if we could do four seasons, we could have done five. 
right? Yeah. Do an entire first season of the buildup of these characters so we give a shit, right? Um, and yeah, we have another time jump, but you're right. Like they're at Dragonstone living the like Waco Magnolia HGTV life. Like they have, uh, they're like teaching their sons like High Valyrian. They live kind of this domestic life, which like we know Damon was not particularly interested, right? In coming back to court. He's, he's back because of his love for Rhaenyra. And we also know Rhaenyra has on multiple occasions been like, if the crown's not for me, it's not for me, right? Yeah. So like, it's interesting to know that like they're dragged back into this, not even by the Greens, right? But by, by Corliss's kind of side of the family, by the Valyrians, right? Who are like, give us our little piece of driftwood. I like, I'm, I'm sure it's a lovely castle, but like that's a lot of seashells and I'm from Florida and it's triggering. So, yeah. And, and, you know, I think with Damon, he, you know, Rhaenyra, as Jacob and I talked about in the last episode, this is kind of like, this is what he wanted, but he was always kind of too afraid or hesitant or Damon at all. But they are trying to live this life together and they don't take this news very well because they're like, oh shit, it's about to begin. Yeah. A hundred percent. And clearly they're not talking to her father because everyone's restricting access to him. I don't know what you mean. He's just drinking a shit ton of flour with a poppy and being like, what? Why am I high? Um, Where's my face? Where's Uh, my cheek? (laughs) Where's my face? Um, But yeah. Okay. So we've got Bela who lets Damon know like, hey, oh, they're coming for you. They're coming for the boys. Right. And so Damon and Rhaenyra head over to the Red Keep, which immediately sets the tone. Right. So like when we talk about the um, the War of the Roses and we talk about the English court, those first couple episodes really do a nod to what the court looked like in happier times. Right. So we've got music, we've got dancers, we've got gossip, we've got people like making fun of. We've got how many tourneys have we suffered through? We've suffered a lot million tourneys in these first like six seven episodes and remember they had like no money they had like no money in the first episode of game of thrones to show us that shitty rendition of a king's tournament (laughs) my gosh yeah and so when we have damon and rainiera get out at king's landing the viewer immediately knows something's up something's different here right so like there is no fancy reception right there's no red carpet um, metaphorically speaking, there's no trumpets, there's no like royal welcome, royal reception. And then everything we knew, both about King's Landing, but particularly the Red Keep, right, is is different. So we see the seven-pointed star, right? Which the high towers are mostly uh Alicent has become devoted to. Um, we see the seven-pointed star every, everywhere, and we see an austereness in these like rooms that we had never seen. Remember those orgy tapestries we kept making fun of? Yep. Gone. 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 It's very right? religious and clean. And yeah, the like, violent sisters are everywhere. Everywhere. The star is everywhere. And it's like, oh, we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. Something's gone wrong here. Um, fun fact, Allison is a descendant, or I'll put it this way. Marjorie Tyrell is a descendant of Alison Hightower, makes her embracing the seven-pointed star really rough, right? Because it's like, oh, well, that'll cost you your entire line. Like, your entire line. Like, multiple. 
Do you like, I, okay, before we go all the way down the rabbit hole, do you like Alicent? Okay, so if you, okay, listen. I'm going to ask you this at the end of the episode, by the way. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, I am Team Black which we would know if you follow me on Twitter, if even the bleach damage I've done to my hair. Um, I am team Targaryen the whole way, team black Targaryen. Uh, however, however, I think Alicent is written very, very much so from a very nuanced and loving place. Uh, not surprising, we have a ton of female writers. I think it's more, I think it's like half. We have a very, very female strong directing crew so we've got a beautiful female lens so it's not that I don't like Alicent it's that you keep fucking up well she's out she's acted too by such an amazing actress that I think gives her that nuance and um complexity and we're gonna talk about episode nine but that look that she has with a certain other dragon rider like it's conveyed in a way and while though yes i am team black the brown parts of my hair are coming back in a way so i have to either reapply or am i on team black i don't think i'm on team black but um or like fully on team black but there is a part of the show where it's written and it's drawing that nuance the books are very different obviously yeah. the book is very different um but the interpretation is being I think done really well. Yeah. And I would say, um, I don't know what it's like to be in a male body. Um, so I can only speak for, for what I've noticed within women watching this show, right? We feel really seen. We have effectively a show that is being run by two women, though Patty did his darndest and probably earned an Emmy and a globe for his performance. It's a, it's a show about two women who fall apart and when they fall apart, what happens? And it's about the, the, how complicated womanhood is, right? And if we're looking at it, like how complicated was Tudor womanhood? Complicated, <laughs> complicated. It was uh, a lot of no autonomy, right? And we see that with Allison and her dad. We see that also with Rhaenyra, right? And like um, Sir Harwin Strong and choosing who she married and like, uh, and even taking that modern lens out. It's just, it's interesting. Cause I feel like for most women, it's like, for now I'm with Rhaenyra. However, I really wish I could give Allison a hug and be like, babes, babes, let's, let's go. Cause like, let's, let's grab your daughter. Cause she seems cool. Um, and let's go, let's go. She's your daughter has a dragon. We don't have to be here with all these men's. They're not, they're not doing much for us. Um, all right. So we've got everyone descending on the red keep in, in King's Landing in hopes of figuring out who will rule Driftmark, right? Um, and I will say that like, we are here specifically, I think, in what I would call a stopgap episode, which is we are about to enter the action. We don't know we are, but if this episode felt slow to folks, aside from a certain dismembering, um, it's, I think it's honestly on purpose because we're in that final stretch before, bing, uh, the dance of dragons begins right and i know we've been saying that for weeks but like this really is uh the final yep. kind of moment um so rainira you know she's taking a look she's like well this turned into a monastery and decides to go find her dad and her dad looks like seven day old me left out 
in a Florida summer. It's not a good look, right? Um, he's yeah. like rotting alive. It's uh, it's not just like rotting alive anymore at this point. It's like, how does he even function? I could smell his breath. <laughs> uh, not just his breath because your teeth will rot like that. Right, I could just smell one. all of it. Um, and we've got Rhaenyra who like speaks to him tenderly, but we've also got Allison, right? Who's like, you don't know what we've been through, right? Um, and and yet like there's a sense of Rhaenyra having kind of a best of both worlds, which is she got to get the fuck out of here. And she also gets to come in here and be like, how dare you let my dad rot? She's how the girl that you- runs off to Paris while like the one sister like attends to their family. <laughs> She is Emily in Paris. She is um, Emily in Paris. 100%. And, and I think that that's like one of the things where I'm like, how nuanced is it? It seems unfair to be like, how could you not keep him what? What was Allison supposed to do to keep him from rotting? And like, is the milk of the poppy advantageous for the greens? Yes. Is it particularly advantageous for Otto? 100%. Is it the wrong choice for a man whose eye fell out of its socket? I don't know. I don't know. And like, again, I never see um, any type of malice come from Allison toward Viserys. So like, I think these scenes are super meaty and interesting because I'm just watching their physical language, their, their, um, their eyes. Like I'm watching everything to just read into like, how are they, they're dancing already. We've, we've already entered the dance. Right. And like the back and forth of like the smoke of the poppy, like you're fucking drugging him. Like his eyeball fell out. This is all part of the dance. It doesn't have to include dragons for it to be there, right? Um, so, so yeah. So we've got these like multiple scenes in uh, Viserys's room, right? She like Rhaenyra introduces him to her son Aegon, right? Um, and these are important because they set up the final scene, which is Rhaenyra is in that room often enough that it will lead to a massive failure of communication at the end of this episode, right? I mean that's the problem too right it's like tell your secrets to your wives or something you know he like holds this secret about obviously the dream and the, yeah. and the prince that was promised or not george R. R. martin and we haven't forgiven you for that red herring and what you've done if you're listening to this podcast but the problem is is it's like a horrible game of telephone at the end of the night it is it, it is and it's also what we call in my work Um, I'm a consultant for DEI, racial equity, um, and the power of language. And it's, I would say it's also a really good example of what we call both and, right? So we've got both women who are showing an, an ethic of care for this man, while also really taking in what's about to happen and also what's at stake, right? And how those things juxtaposed against each other are at odds with each other. Like they've got their, their, you know, 30 year friendship with all of its faults also laying on top of all of that, right? Um, So it's it's interesting. So then we move to, and we're gonna move kind of quickly through this because this isn't an episode where I keep saying nothing happens. I would say there's two major things that happen, right? Yep. But I'm saying it's it's kind of, it's leading us to Where episode nine. Yeah, so so we get to the Driftmark succession question. I don't know about you, John, but I'm just tired of the succession question. Um, 
And if folks have read the book, right, the a question on succession is like chapter seven, eight, right? And it's a large chapter. I listen to it often on audiobook, but there's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of sitting at council tables and t- chatting, but we enter the throne room and we have Otto sit first in the chair to preside over this huge red flag, right? Mm-hmm. Rhaenyra knows she's in danger because Otto is sitting on her father's chair, right? And he is fundamentally as hand of the kin functioning under his own discernment because we all know, right? The viewers, Rhaenyra, Damon, that Viserys is not any Viserys is not in the room right now, right? So like it begins to look like it might actually go the way that that Corliss's brother, what's his name? Why can't I come up with the name? Um, <laughs> oh, what's 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 one of the many Valerians? <laughs> you know names. Um, it's uh, one, of, one of the many Arians. Uh, it's Lucerus. You're right. It's not the Arians. Um, it's Lucerus, right? Yep. Yeah. So, um, so it might. It looks like it's going to go Lucerus' way. We know that the Greens are on board with like a hundred percent being like the fuck, right? But here's the fatal flaw, and this is a fatal flaw that we will see them do time and time again, which is good judgment clouds proper like planning. They plan this all out, but Allison and Rhaenyra's good judgment on like maybe we do pull back some of the milk of the poppy leads to a stunning moment where who shows up? Or the a, king. A quarter of him shows up. A court well, 55%. <laughs> I just want to do bum 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 bum. I like, know. <laughs> I know. And but he's really there for one person. I really enjoy the TikTokers. He's not there to as long as he is alive, he's trying to protect Rhaenyra. I know. Um, as a Latina daughter who has a male brother, I feel this to my core. TikTok has been throwing this in my face all week where it's like a parent saying, I love all my children the same. And then it pans to the pictures of the family like on a mantle. And it's the one picture of the favorite child and like tiny like throwaway like like little tiny pictures of the other ones. Like <laughs> there's no one for Viserys but Rhaenyra. And That's we'll it. get to why, why Even that over Allison. Oh, 100% over Allison, but also over his firstborn son. Um, I had someone ask me if Aegon was a better man, Taylor Swift TM version, um, would Viserys have potentially considered Aegon a rightful, a rightful heir for the throne, right? And and, uh, and B, to a certain extent, put Rhaenyra in her place, right? Like, not intervene so often, like, like this intervention, not have been so staunchly, like, to everyone, like, she's, she's a perfect angel. And I honestly don't think so. And I think that it's because, and we saw Patty Constantine talk about this in interviews, he really took to heart that Ama was his only love. Yeah. And that Rhaenyra is fundamentally his one tie to the person on the other side that he is still hoping to connect with, that he's still in love with, and that he's still representing on this earth. Anything that hurts Rhaenyra is a blight to his love for Emma, right? So when he shows up to defend his his little white grandbabies, right? Um, oh, and we didn't even say this. We've got Rainies who flew in um, with uh, Bela, right? He flew yeah. in with Bela, and she's there. We, no one knows who she's going to, to back in this driftwood argument. It's like it's like the ultimate big brother, whatever Lord of the household thing that they do. 
don't watch Big Brother, but it is an ultimate Casa Amor, Love Island, like cliffhanger. Yeah. But Rhaenyra plays it well, right? Um, and talks to her and says, hey, we will marry my sons to your granddaughters and we will finally end this fucking conversation of succession of the throne because our thrones will come together. There will no longer be uh, Targaryen and Valerian lines. There's going to be like a joint megaline, right? And Rhaenys pretty much tells her to fuck off, right? So we're sitting here. Uh, we've got Lucerus who looks like he's about to win. Rhaenys who might intervene. And then a half corpse walks in. He crawls his way up the throne. Damon helps him with like a tenderness that I think producers and directors really underestimate how starved we are for sexy Matt Smith because everyone is in love with him. And apparently the director's like, what are y'all doing? And it's like, he helped his brother up the stairs. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, of course we love him. Yes. Um, and Damon is the person that like has had a renaissance in this last half of the season. Yeah. Wow. Like, not only a renaissance, but I'm a little confused why all of the showrunners are like, why is Damon the internet's daddy? And I'm like, what are you all not seeing? You've written him this way, right? We've got every, we've got him. We'll, we'll, we'll dive into this scene a little bit, right? So once Viserys gets up there, he's like, why are we having this conversation again? What? I'm sorry. I'm confused. Succession is a close thing. It's treason to bring it up. Treason. And uh, watch your tongue, Lucerus. Uh, yeah, okay. watch your tongue. Otherwise, I'm going to do what, Marcy? Um, I, oh, I was about to do the six. Uh, like, my head, my head, where, where'd my head go? I can't. <laughs> where did half of my head go? Half of my head go. Um, and then he also says to Rainey's, what do you, the only person who even has a right to comment on this is Rainey's, right? Um, and Rainey's makes a decision. Like, most women in Tudor England, like most women in Westeros, she reads the room and she's like, damn right, succession is not up for discussion. It's Rhaenyra's. It's Rhaenyra's. And okay. I will stand back and buy her, which maybe and our, our grandkids will be getting married and they will be having little Valerian babies. And it's and again, like I, that was not decided, I think, prior to her reading the room and seeing Viserys come in. It was um, decided I, the moment the king was standing up there. Yeah. She knew that she had no choice. Oh, it's not Lucerus. It's Vaymond. One of them. <laughs> there my are a brother, lot of names. My brother here. listening is dying laughing because his biggest grudge with the show is like the names, the names. Um, no, it's Vaymond. You mean you don't have a flip chart readily available <laughs> I to you? Do. I just, I don't have it with me. And also long COVID y'all don't be ableist long COVID. Um, so it's Vaymond. Sorry, everyone. Not Lucerus. Lucerus is Rhaenyra's uh, son. Um, or but, is he? I'm or, joking. <laughs> don't cut uh, off my head. Right. So why don't you walk me through the temper tantrum that led to a clean slice? So um, what we see with the ultimate deli slicer, deli meat slicer, um, that occurs is obviously the king walks into the throne room. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like one of those scenes where it's like this big grand entrance. And then you think that he's moving really fast, but then the music stops and he's actually just at the beginning of the thing. So it's kind of like one of those comedy routines. Um, but he essentially gets up to the throne room, talks about everything and says, well, what are we all talking about? What's going on? Right. And. Baymond um, starts, you know, getting into it 
a little bit here. I think once he realizes it, right? Once he realizes he's lost. Once he realizes he lost. And then I think maybe in a tweak, and I, I'm just reading into this, right? But ultimately, maybe he knows that like he doesn't want to not speak the truth. And so what he does is he gets into a hissy fit after Rainey's says who she's backing, Rhaenyra, by the way, and looks at Rhaenyra and says, her children are bastards and she is a whore. And ultimately, that doesn't go very well because who comes up behind him? None other than Damon with Dark Sister and cuts off half of his head because leaving his tongue, by the way, because he has been disgraced and committed treason. Uh, dear listeners, I need you to know that this episode, I let my mom watch it with me. I was lonely and she really enjoyed those first 35 minutes, right? And I knew, I knew where we were going. Did I anticipate like a full slice off of head with tongue hanging out of head stump? No. Did my mom's scream reverberate throughout my entire house? Yes. Yes, it did. Do I regret <laughs> it? Not at all. Not at all. One of the funniest moments I've ever had in my life. My mom was like, this show's great. The intrigue, the, the suspense, the infighting, the head screams so loud. Um, yeah. So we've got we've got Damon who's like, yeah, we're I'll let you keep your tongue, but that's about it. That's about it, girl. That's about it. Like, get the fuck out of here. These are clearly Rhaenyra's children. Uh, we don't have to go further than that because they are Rhaenyra's children. Um, and it sends a message, right? It sends a message to everyone. Like, we're not going to roll this way, right? This, this, is, this is the queen, future queen. These are the heirs to the throne, both of King's Landing, of the Seven Kingdoms, and of Driftmark. And you're not going to fuck with my family. And I think that that's really important when we try to figure out what makes Damon tick, Right. Um, it's Rhaenyra and anything that Rhaenyra He's got loves, her back. He loves. Yeah. He uh, is the ultimate, like, man, while your mother screamed, I like had one of those moments where I was like, oof, like he's getting laid tonight. Yeah. I mean, it's up there, right? With Sir Harwin Strong like holding the baby. It's not a bad, it's not a bad look. Um, so then we get what I would say is an iconic, iconic scene that closes out this episode, like penultimately closes out this episode Viserys decides to have a TGIF family re like family style sitcom dinner right around a table the imagery is supposed to invoke the last supper it's supposed to invoke kind of like that Let, let's talk about the last supper and the, the, the like yeah let's do it like let's talk about that a little bit here because I think a lot of people it's a little bit lost on them. I mean, some people recognize it, some people don't, but who are they setting up as the Christ-like figure and the God-like figure here? I mean, really, they're throwing in so much imagery when you think about the right hand of the, the, right hand of the Lord and the left hand of the Lord and which one betrays them and all of these things. I mean, that whole image is so iconic from what it they're putting is. out here. And, you know, shout out to all the TikTokers and everyone that like immediately picked up on like, oh, weird. So Viserys' side that is facing the greens is rotting to death. His side that faces the blacks is still healthy and perfectly fine and like still has an eyeball. Incredible. And, right. And so we've got, to your point, 
we've got Viserys as the central figure bringing everyone together, like one final go. But like, we, I think we need to look at it through Viserys's eyes. He just solidified not only Rhaenyra's status as the um the next queen right of the entire seven kingdoms he protected his grandsons from defamation um and now he just wants to bring the family together and it's kind of like a goodbye right like he can breathe like if they could just get along through this dinner he can take a deep breath maybe the final breath right and so when you have that imagery right and you have um you have Rhaenyra and Alicent, as the only two emotionally mature people in that room, really understand the weight of that moment. We get these beautiful moments where, like, you know, Rhaenyra salutes Alicent, lifts her cup, and says, you know, to the woman who's like loved my dad, and like you've done He's a good been job. There. And it might not have been easy, right? Um, so, well, I've been in Paris, Emily. Right, right. And through thick, thin, and eyeballs. And then Allison's like, you know, I think you'll be a really good queen. And this is really important because she says this in front of Otto. And I need people to remember that Otto is the puppet, like, master. He is the king maker, right? So for Allison to say, I think you'll make a fine queen is extremely dangerous in front of her dad. It's, it's against everything she trained for. And it's like, you know, it's it's a beautiful show of humanity, but also her weakness in the sense that that love she has for Rhaenyra and Viserys overrides this Hightower agenda, right? It, However, it, it, you see a glimmer. You of see, them. You, too. you see a glimmer. You see this glimmer of of what could have been what and what been, could be. And their friendship that is always under the scene, under the scene, right? Like their friendship and their real love for each other under that scene. But as mothers, as, you know, queens, future queens, you know, all of the things, those things play much more of a heavy weight than they can bear. They, they do. And yet I think if, I think if they, again, it's everything that could have been. So if, if Rainey's and Rhaenyra had been at court and like there had been more of like a family surrounding Allison and the kids with like a significant amount of love, not the frustration of Rainey's being like, you took my throne, Rhaenyra being like, you're going to try to take my throne and everyone bouncing, right? Isolating Allison with only the high towers, right? It could have been different. If the kids liked each other, right? If the kids respected each other, tonight would have ended differently. So we have like these incredible exchanges between the kids reminding us that it's not just Alicent and Rhaenyra now, right? We have, um, we have for me, probably the best moment of, of the night was when uh, the strong boys bring out the pink, right? Yes. Um, oh, it's just, it's Or so when Amond, um, Aga, or when Amond, raises his glass you know after the king has left by the way to his strong cousins i mean that was a level of queer shade that is only seen on certain levels that i can admit i can admit to also like i'm oddly attracted to like this crazy psychopath but like it's terrifying yeah mini damon is something to behold um to your point um just obviously I think Viserys takes in them all having fun. There's some dancing, there's jokes before the pig comes out. Uh, and he's like to my room because he's falling apart. 
and Allison's like, yes, to your room, milk of the poppy. Everyone's like, to, it, it's cool. Like, that's what he deserves right now. He deserves to rest. He had a great like, dinner for great whatever dinner. he could eat. <laughs> right? um, then the strong boys, like we said, with the suckling pig in front of Eamon, if you'll remember, Eamon did not have a dragon of his own. He was not given the egg at birth, right? Um, and for those who are like, doesn't everyone get an egg? Eggs are becoming more and more rare. They're laying them in weirder and weirder places. And we saw Damon go and get eggs for all of his kids. It's not a small thing. And who's going to do it, Otto? Yeah. No. So, um, so when they put the pig, it leads to the like the strong boys conversation, which leads to all the kids being like, "Fuck it, parkour." And then Damon stepping in and being like, "Y'all," and that baby Damon being like, "All right." But why that am I also attracted to this? Um, and so all the kids leave, right? And we have this, like, I would say final scene of, like, um, Rhaenyra saying we should head back. Obviously, the kids are just not fucking mature enough to be here. But I'll come back. And Allison's like, I'd love for you to come back. She goes to uh, Viserys' room and honestly plays the worst game of telephone ever. Because Viserys confuses her for Rhaenyra and reiterates the prophecy of the prince who was promised, Aegon, which Alicent, having just practically pledged allegiance to Rhaenyra, right? Yeah. Um, misinterprets as her pasty ass drunk rapist son, Aegon. Oof. Um, and then leaves the room and Viserys takes his last breath and says, My love. Emma uh and we know from interviews that that was improvised because he had kind of done this arc of eight episodes through the lens of a man who never got over his love so his wife that he that he believes he caused that he believes he caused I I am in the it's a little great but um but yeah and so that ends episode eight effectively setting up what those of us who are longtime fans know as the green council uh, and the Green Council is for all my watchers who are not about dragons, but are 100% about the chess playing that goes into kingmaking. Kingmaking being a term that we know specifically from, again, the War of the Roses, but we also know it from Littlefinger. Littlefinger was a kingmaker. Yep. Right? Everything he did was a, was a moving of the die, moving of the king queen to make sure that his power was always prioritized so episode nine we jump into the green council the green council dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. the Ceres is no more he's dead he's dead um he probably died a, a while back and it was just as similar to the queen of england his unwillingness to not <laughs> see it through how long do you think Why? she was dead before <laughs> She was dead for a while. I think she was done for a while, but <laughs> that's how I feel. That's how I feel. But then again, I also believe in being petty enough to live until you see a prime minister that is not Boris Johnson. And I think that Viserys was like, I will not die until I see that redheaded second wife of mine pledge allegiance to Rhaenyra in front of the high towers. Right. Cause like, he was like, all right, I can breathe. Like that was in front of the whole family. She wouldn't go back on that. Yeah. Um, so Alison, Queen, Queen Alison is told that the king has died, right? 
And she immediately goes to Otto and she's like, okay, you're not going to believe this. But last night he told me he wants Aegon to be king. Like, she's like so like he like said some crazy shit. And this last yeah, he, he said, he, said like he was dagger, a chicken. <laughs> yeah. A dagger and a long winter and our Aegon. Um, and it's like all of us who have watched Game of Thrones, right? We're like, not that Aegon. We're like, not um, that. everyone in this freaking series has the same name. Right. Like, honestly, you have to footnote shit when you're dying because there's too much overlap. Um, and so Otto and Allison called together a small council meeting, which in the history of the Song of Ice and Fire is called the Green Council, um, to install Aegon as king after Viserys' death. Um, which they've been planning for a while. I mean, they've been planning it for a very long time. Obviously, Alicent lost her courage the night before, not no more, because Viserys, again, did not footnote his notes. And Alicent was like, confirmation bias that's our Aegon that's our very drunk rapist Aegon cool cool um so those in the room include Lord Beesbury um right and we have a bit of like um I would say tension Lord Beesbury is not happy with what he rightfully so says is plot for theft treason and seizure of a throne that does not belong to the greens he's like i'm a 76 year old man i knew viserys longer than any of you sperm and it's just it's not not on my watch not on my watch right no no regicide on my watch and for everyone's like why would he care that much and we'll see people who go to their deaths to say no no regicide on us we know how important that is because of jamie lannister's heavy weights under the title of Kingslayer, right? So like, it is not a small thing to throw around that, that accusation. So can we talk about the emotional piece of shit who takes it upon himself to handle Lord Beesbury? I think effectively, if you were to really, really be like, when did the dance start? When did this start? The second Sir Christian Cole makes this decision. What did he do? Well, he did it after um, he essentially got fuckboyed. No, no, no. What did he do in the... Um, oh, you mean his um, anger management lessons are not working? That, you mean that scene? That yeah, scene. so um, because he's obsessed and in love with Queen Alicent, um, because he's essentially transferred his love from Rhaenyra, who he thinks is a dirty, dirty whore, but he's also in love with her and always will be, to Queen Alicent, um, because he feels that the individual was mocking or saying things towards him, he slams his head down on the table, effectively killing him. Yep. Because he spoke ill of his queen. Yep. And here's the thing. Um, he's not allowed to do that, which has been a running theme at this point throughout every episode where it's like Sir Kristen Cole can do whatever he wants Right. And no one, no one's like, hey, hey, white cloak, uh, not on my watch. However, Lord Commander Westerling does order Christian to lay down his sword, a- a.k.a. like you will not be a white cloak with that behavior. Like you can't just fucking smash heads of state against uh, the little decision balls. 
because I know what is up with those little decision balls. Can we talk about that for a second? They have historical precedent. They were used in multiple, um, multiple kingdoms uh, during the War of the Roses. They were there. So like it made it safer to, to say yes or no or dissent or, you know, compliance um versus like folks who were like i don't want to raise this in my own like i just want to vote i don't want to even put why i'm voting but the voting was protected by the council's kind of like the privy council's rules right but if but like the vote is protected but if you were like are you trying to kingslay that's treasonous right so there's a reason behind it and it's a nod to that but like yo it was such a westworld death I was like, not on a mini marble ball, not, not today, but Lord Westerling's like, not today. He's like, you can't do this. And Sir Christian Cole doesn't back down because apparently the rules do not apply to him. Right. Yeah. Um, and what Lord rules Westerling- do apply to him. Like he just gets to walk around. Is it because he knows too much? Um, he reads different in the books. I can't figure out yeah. one dimensional, like that's my woman kind of thing, which is more of like, I fucking hate Rhaenyra. Um, I can't, I can't really make sense of it. But again, this, this is what suffers from the time jump. Right. So like if him and Alison have spent 20 years building a rapport, I deserve to know what that looks like that would cause him to take a man and crack his skull on a table for being like, Hey, does this, does this smell like what it smells like? Right? Like, it's just, it's, it's nonsensical. The character's so two-dimensional. I don't think it's the actor's fault. I think it's the time jumps and the, and the inability to, to trust the audience that we were in it for the long haul. And we'd want to know a little bit more about all the major players. Yeah. Well, I think they're just, I mean, one of the criticisms of Game of Thrones, I don't think it was a criticism, was that everything was such a slow burn but the action was so well, needed and necessary. Well, first of all, right. We're not going to go there, showrunners. <laughs> um, but I think what they're trying to show here is that like there is like the war scenes and the action sh- scenes. That's what I think they're trying to get to quicker in a way. Yeah. And um, I saw again, a TikToker, I'm going to start taking notes on how much TikTok I watch on House of the Dragon, but I saw a TikToker who was like, what are we rushing towards? Right. So like the payoff for this type of rush where Sir Christian Cole doesn't make sense. I don't know what happened with Sir Harwin Strong. I don't know what happened with Damon and his marriage um, is that like I am and am not invested, which makes some of these characters feel super two dimensional, like I said. And it takes an extremely, extremely seasoned actor to be able to give us layers of context in very simple things right so like we've talked about the way matt smith always bows his head to rhaenyra the way he touches her belly the way that like a lot is spoken in the unspoken that lets us understand okay so they this is like it's not only that he's ride or die for rhaenyra but he bends the knee to rhaenyra he bends the knee to her sons he doesn't want any of this he only wants to keep her safe and keep her family intact right we just don't know any of that with allison and Kristen. we don't even know it with allison and her children right so it's it's messy right um and then Otto gets in here with and like 
what's this the maesters like can we um remove the body and uh like we have them like there's like a dead body here (laughs) and like they're like no moving on so clearly we have to kill the former heir right which is where allison shows some of her i wouldn't say true colors but her prism of colors because she's like not on my watch no no we can ask her to bend the knee we can and all these men are like okay girl Right, we can send them to Pentos, but no, no. My husband did not die for us to kill his daughter. Absolutely not. Um, which I'm like, what were you thinking when, I mean, like, what did you think would happen when you were like, Aegon is going to take the throne? Like, I'm, I'm just a little confused because like- This is how these things happen. Yeah, this is where blood. we're going. It's not- Fire first, and blood. Yeah, it's not her first rodeo, right? So- so they all talk it through. Clearly no one's going to dissent anymore because you end up with a ball in your head. Um, so then the greens realize that they need to find Aegon, which proves to be not a little easy. harder than they expect. Also, like, how do you like when the rooms stack against you? It's like a it's like a complete juxtaposition from Rainey's in the last episode, by the way, when she clearly has to say one thing and now they all have to say another because clearly your head's going to get chopped off if you don't say what they want you to say right and i I think this is when we talk about agency and nuance right allison is in a precarious spot um but not as precarious as every lord who's like i mm, i don't i don't think so right um but we see a split here in the greens right so otto and allison are both going to look for Aegon with very different reasons to look for Aegon. Each one wants to get to him first because they want to mold these first few hours of Aegon as king. Uh, Otto with like fire and and blood, right? Alicent with like mercy towards her friend and also his sister. Because it's really only been like less than what, 12 hours essentially, right? You know, that's the thing that we're trying to remember here. Alicent is still coming off this high of like, oh, I'm going to get my best, my BFF back. Like, we're going to be fine. Like, blah, blah, blah. Right. So um, they asked Sir Eric. Um, I'm just going to put it out there. Looks like an extra from Last Kingdom. <laughs> He's still running around from that movie. And so he like, just found he his way like, into this universe. He looks like Uhtred, son of Uhtred's brother. And then they let us know he has a twin. And I'm like, two of them. Tell me more. You can take Sir Horowitz Strong. I'll take the twins. Um, But Sir Eric says, hey, uh, I don't know where he is because your little shit, it's literally with this tone. Your little shit can order me to fucking disappear with his power as Prince of King's Landing. And so I can and can't watch him. That's the truth. And Otto kind of like takes that in because that is the truth, but also it's this man's job to know at all times where Aegon is. So he was like, you take your twin brother and go find him. Make sure no one knows it's you and make sure no one knows that it's Aegon that you're looking for, right? Yeah. And then- there's a lot of reasons why. Because Otto knows more than Alicent in this situation. So I would say this is Otto's team. Uh, Otto's team is Sir Eric and his brother. And then the queen goes to her handy dandy piece of shit himbo sir kristen (laughs) you've got to find him what does himbo mean again marcy it's a bimbo with a him (laughs) i just wanted you to say it (laughs) uh the very fate of the seven kingdoms depends on sir kristen cole knowing a himbo 
on a, a himbo figuring out where a rapist went. Um, so naturally, right, this sets off kind of a, I want to say, a fun cat and mouse game in King's Landing of these two teams being like, uh, where is he? And all of them comparing notes on how much they know he's a piece of shit. So he's not going to be found somewhere great. At best, he'll be found in a pleasure house, right? Um, at worst, we couldn't imagine how bad it would be, right? So while they're looking, we know that like Sir Kristen is like, he's definitely at a brothel. And the brothel's like, yo, he hasn't been here since he was like six. And it's like, well, <laughs> oh my God. Cool. Um, and Amond is with Sir Kristen and the, the prostitute goes, it's nice to see you. <laughs> You've grown. And I'm like, <laughs> like, okay. And then she makes a comment that his taste, meaning Aegon, have changed since he was a kid and they're darker. And that's the first Not just like darker, like, like some like psychopaths are kind of being like, yeah, we're all like, like too far. Yeah, it's like a red flag for watchers of like, brace yourselves, right? Like brace yourselves. Um, while they keep continue to look, Otto has brought in all the lords and ladies that were in King's Landing to see if they bend the knee. And some do, um, some don't. And the ones that won't break their allegiance to Rhaenyra are escorted out. And later on, we see a bunch of them hung, right? Yeah. So we know that they fundamentally chose death over abandoning the princess. Yeah. Um, so then we've or got- Or their word. Right. Or their word. So we've got Sir Kristen Cole trying to find something worse than a prostitute, which he can't because he's the evangelical equivalent of like Ben Shapiro running through King's Landing. He just, what's oh worse God. than a prostitute? Whereas Sir Eric with his brother, whose name is also Eric, it's Eric with an E, Eric with an A- they they are not hope the there's no prophecy involving those people where the mother tells us someone something at the last moment or fantasy because I, I mean i mean i'm here for the fantasy but we'll talk about that <laughs> off mic uh, if y'all are looking for great fan fiction an archive of our own is by far the best fan fiction archive online it includes adult fan fiction i'm a huge fan huge fan for those of you mourning harry potter from Turfland amazing Ugh, queer, yeah. harry potter fan fiction amazing game of thrones fan fiction hunger games whatever your flavor is it is in there um we'll see if eric and eric are in there but they go to something known as the children's um rings so these are like the essentially fighting dens right it's essentially what trump wanted to do with migrants on the border because he's a fucking masochist and it's, these are the things that really, these sickos that exist in our current world would love to see happen to children in america it's really dark and it's sad but it's actually again rooted in history so this was like a cockfighting ring right but instead of roosters it's children who grow their nails out super long their teeth are are grinded down until they're pointy so think of like uh i would i would say uh the proper comparison i think here is the hunger games and also ariadne with um minos and the the minotaur right yeah. we've got and this is real again like this this happened in real life these were very common um and sir eric's like yeah he's this shitty 
this this dude does not be, deserve to become king points to uh and where have we seen this before with people that shouldn't be king that are crazy jesus um i know <laughs> these blondes do not do well in king's landing but sir eric does show sir other eric um that in a corner you see a white-haired blonde little baby boy who's getting ready for the pits and like sir eric's like no fucking way is that a targaryen and uh sir other eric says yeah one of many and so i think where this is important so we know the showrunners have told us to your point that we should view the greens through a modern day lens of the maga movement and of um republican evangelical kind of culture right and so here we've got this mom who's like pro-life, my children, no matter what, right? And yet her grandson is in the worst possible scenario for a child in King's Landing. Like, and one of many, right? Uh, how many, how many Targaryens were in the pits? We Like, they don't even know. And the fact that like the eyes of Otto Hightower, the eyes of um, Laris Strong, right, do not extend down here, that they've, that they've missed this, this poorly, says something about how misdirected their overarching kind of um, control is in King's Landing. Because if they care about not having anyone to challenge succession, but also protecting the family line, there shouldn't be one silver-haired boy down here, right? Um, but also it's that's the thing is they have no control over these people right right so uh Rhaenyra and Damon are back in Dragonstone we do not see them this episode um the next episode the final episode we will not see Allison so this is Allison's final episode of the season we will not see her again um so however there is one Targaryen at play at King's Landing and that's our homegirl, Rainies. Rainies, uh, who's locked in her bedroom. Locked in her bedroom, whom Allison comes in and makes a formal play for her support. Right? Yeah. Um, she's not. And the thing that Allison, and I think a lot of people in the show, and also the acting is just incredible by the Rainies as actresses. Like, I mean, it's the complexity and depth is all there. But she is the smartest one on the show. Um, well, I think she's smart. She's playing, she's playing her cards very closely right now. Yes. Whereas everyone else's cards are very visible. That so, is true. Which is why both Rhaenyra and Allison in the last two episodes had conversations with Rainies about her support, which tells us one that the Valerians are no small thing, right? They're the only other family from old Valyria. Um, they speak Valerian. Uh, their blood is pure. This blood problem is like a real problem because their blood is not only the blood of old Venera. V- Venera. <laughs> that is a friendly reminder, listeners, that if you have not been checked for recent STIs, now is your friendly reminder, care of Marcy, to do so. Thank you. Um, and actually that ties in. There's an incest problem and a not safe sex problem that the Valerians actually help the Targaryens with, right? They infuse a little bit of diluted blood in there. So it makes sense that both of the queens are like Rainies, and Rainies is like, I don't think so. Um, and what's funny is Rainies' big concern is like, one, I guess you're more like, I think she says she's wiser to her 
right? Because she offers the things that like Rainey's, I guess like on paper would want to hear, right? But she's like, but you're just a pawn to men, to your dad, to the king that's dead, to your sons. Like, do you not see that like you have no power aside from the men who move you around this board? awful right like in in awful ways and have never treated you with the respect you deserve she plays that card in a way right right and rainy's is like smart like i guess you're smarter than i thought you were but it's a no and give me my dragon and allison's like i'm gonna lock you in here right um so meanwhile so now we know that rainy's is a she's a wild card we don't know what she's gonna do uh then we have miseria who you will remember was Damon's fake first wife. (laughs) She's she's also the white worm. Um, And for those who are like, why is she important? She is. So people like this, right? Game of Thrones is really good at letting us slowly weave characters in. Try to think at season one to the final season of Game of Thrones. Did we think, right, that Littlefinger, right, or Varys would be as important as they showed out, right? Exactly. Miseria plays her card, which is she tells Eric and Eric, go get Otto and I will tell him where he is, but I'm not going to speak to anyone else. And he's going to pay me a bajillion dollars, a bajillion dollars, a bajillion American U.S. minted dollars, American U.S. minted dollars. And like Eric and Eric are a little surprised because like they're used to men carrying power um, and women having only proximal power. Right. Whereas the white worm, Miseria is like, fuck you. I'm not talking, I don't even, I don't give a shit about you. Like you are so low on the totem pole. Like it must be, it must be real dangerous to be out here looking for Aegon knowing that like they could cut your throat like tomorrow for knowing that he's missing, right? And she's like, no, I want to talk to Otto. Um, And then um, they talk to Otto. Some money is exchanged, but it's not just money. The white worm is like, I will tell you where, Aegon is in exchange for the children's fighting pits to be closed. And she reads, reads him to filth over it. Right. She doesn't say your grandsons are out there crawling with shiny teeth, pokey teeth, but she's like the fact that this has gone on for so long and that you were ignoring it says so much about who you are. And we already know Otto's not a good dad. He's not a good grandfather. He was never going to be a good um, a good kind of moral compass for King's Landing, right? Yeah. But well, he was, you know, the peaceful. Right. And then we find Aegon underneath like a fountain. In yeah. uh, He's such a weirdo. Yeah, they drag him out and then Eric and Eric and then Sir Kristen Cole and Amond like fight over who gets to bring him back. Um. And it's like, I, I found this whole thing a little trite, like here, because I was like, again, it might just be I'm blinded by my hate for, for Sir Kristen and how, why are they fighting? Like, why are they fighting? They all need to bring him back. The girls are fighting. The girls are fighting and they all need to like, it was just a little wonky. And Eamon just keeps saying, I mean, if he dies, I'm next in line. Right. Which, um, yes. And (laughs) slow your roll. Um, but Aegon's like, I don't want to rule. Like, he's I don't. Like, uh, he's like, I don't want to do any of this. And you know the funny thing, because I've been rewatching The Crown. Can't wait for the next season. Um, 
it's the same juxtaposition that they're trying to set up is that Queen Elizabeth with the older and the younger sister and obviously here the older and the younger brother granted queen elizabeth to the best of our knowledge wasn't having bastard babies that sharpened their teeth and like killed each other in fighting pits i have yet to confirm that is true or not um faithful listeners but this whole theme that like the ones that get chosen are oftentimes the ones that don't want it the most yeah yeah um and we do know that like that is a thing i'm like reading this like very humongous tome of a book on the Romanovs and by the time we got a hundred years into the Romanov dynasty literally everyone in line for succession was like pass pass oh god I'm called to be celibate pass because it was too dangerous I don't think that's what we have here with Aegon because really the danger happens in the dance prior to that there wasn't a lot of danger being a Targaryen right they'd been there since the conquest so he's just a lazy motherfucker he's just lazy He's out here for raping and he's out here for, <laughs> for under incested in and under eye bags. Oof, yeah, he needs some sleep. Like he needs those gold patches. He's a shower. Um, the actor did say that those are all intentional choices. They originally had him with long hair and then they were like, no, let's make him look like a scene kid from the 2000s um, who's just dirty. And I mean, fair enough. <laughs> That's what we have. Fair enough. Um, and we have like an exchange between Otto and Allison where she's like, you've played me like a chess piece, right? Um, and she got she got to Aegon first, right? Yeah. Um, because she's queen and Otto can only do so much. Uh, but she does after she talks to, to Aegon where he's like, I don't want this. She tells her dad, like, you've just moved me like a piece. Like, I've done everything you wanted me to do, right? I will not do what you're asking for Rainier. I won't do it. Neither will Aegon. He's my son. That is not how we're going to start his 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 king day, right? It's not going to happen. Um, you know, we'll crown him with Aegon's crown, the sword. The people will love him, and they'll send terms to Rhaenyra, terms she can accept without shame. That like it'll it'll happen. Um, and then she says, which I think is important. My husband would have wanted this for his daughter, right? Um, this is like a really powerful scene because this is the one time where we, if we can't get Rhaenyra on the throne or not Rhaenyra, uh, Rhaenyra, this is the best case scenario, right? Which yeah. is what Allison is advocating for, which is you don't touch her. We give her terms. She lives a life fat off the land, right? Damon never even wanted to be king and like, cool. But Otto's like, I don't think so, right? Um, and then we have a scene that, has horrified viewers so deeply so deeply that it wasn't the incest that broke us it was footgate it was footgate footgate um what was yeah, footgate i'm like why why do we have no time again for hair and strong to be sexy but we have time and for then die in a fire right we have time for laris to um pleasure himself to Alicent showing her feet. And like, she's trying to get some info. She's trying to figure out how her dad knew where to go and for Aegon and how we knew what her steps were, right? And Laris is like, well, I'm gonna have to see an ankle. I'm not, not, not like he wants like the full kinkle. Ugh, whoa, such a gross scene. 
Um, but also, I don't think this was a necessary scene, not because I have anything against foot fetishes, but because if you're telling me we have yeah, to do you. Yeah, if you tell me we have to rush through everything, I don't need a foot fetish scene. What? What? Is like Quentin Tarantino in the room? What's going on? Well, that would uh, be why I'm going to have nightmares then. But she does find out that um, that Otto has a spy, right? And a network of spies that are in the Red Keep. They know her. And he makes a, a pass. This time she's smart enough to know that he's offering to kill someone, which she didn't understand with so strong um and he's like i mean i can get rid of her for you the queen bee goes and the bees scatter right and she kind of just nods her head and like pulls up another ankle right Uh, she renders him payment right in the show all we see to tie this up all we see is a building on fire which we would assume right but we're going to assume and not confirm is the um Sorry, the white, um, the white worm, the white worm, but let's hold off on knowing who actually died in that fire. Because unless you see the body, you don't say for sure. Right. So the next morning we have Prince Aegon's upcoming ascension where Rainey's is actually woken up by Sir Eric with an E, um, which obviously the one I like most, like Anne with an E, (laughs) he, um, (laughs) He's like, you know what? Fuck this treason. Uh, I didn't even help my brother who was like totally all about helping Aegon. Uh, we need to get you out of here. And then you need to go let Rhaenyra know what's up. Right? So they put on the, the what has essentially become this season's cloak of bad news. Because every time someone's out to do something, you know, secrecy, like secrety. They put on this little cloak and it's like, oh, now we're going on a secret adventure. And no one recognizes them. Easiest Halloween costume in the world, a blonde wig and a black coat. And you're a Targaryen off to bamboozle someone. Um, We don't use the word bamboozle enough in today's world. I use it often. (laughs) Bamboozled. Um, Yeah. So they head out um, and Rainey's is like, I need to get melly's like i need to get i get need to get to the dragon pit and sir eric's like uh no no you don't you're not gonna leave here alive if you go to the dragon pit that's where they think they're gonna find you like absolutely not but then they get separated and rainies is kind of thrown into the crowd of people being ushered into the dragon pit to see Aegon get crowned it's a fancy coronation i expect this i expect this is how prince charles's coronation will go Pretty much. I, I expect a, a full-blown dragon to totally go into Westminster Abbey. <laughs> We've got all this pomp and circumstance. We've got Otto being like, you're king! And Aegon being like, lift my sword! And the people being dumb being like, yeah! Yeah! Uh, however, Rainey's manages to get out of the crowd and clearly heads to the bottom of the dragon pit. Right? Um, and so she disappears. We've got the stupid coronation, right? Like, it's it's obnoxious it's all the pomp it's it's stolen he's not supposed to be king uh they call Viserys Viserys the peaceful which again we offer a lot of grace to dead people because it's more like Viserys the useless yeah right but it's Viserys the peaceful has passed or Viserys the tetanus Viserys the tetanus um but it his last dying wish was for his firstborn son Aegon to succeed him and Aegon comes in through this like huge procession through swords and he's named king Alicent literally crowns him and um 
and all of a sudden like we're we're in Gringotts busting through uh waving through a window right like Rainey's pops (laughs) through from underneath which we actually should have known this was going to happen since um we had uh oh my gosh Aegon's wife and sister the um the dragon dreamer say there's a beast behind the boards underneath the boards uh Helena Helena there we go uh Rainey's comes up through the boards on Melly's and is like I don't think so motherfuckers nope absolutely not and clearly she gets up there on Melly's marches right up to the front of the coronation ceremony and dracarises them all to shit Right. That's, that's the entire dance. That's it. That's the entire dance. It's done. They win. It's done. Everyone's happy. Okay. Rhaenyra comes over. She gets. Uh, she She's becomes like, queen. Thanks, Auntie. Yeah, she becomes queen. Uh, she makes her aunt the hand of the queen. Uh, their children rule the the seven kingdoms for thousands of years peacefully. Uh, peacefully liberating everyone in their path, including the Dothraki, and uh, that's it. That's how That's it ended, it. right, John? Exactly. Except it didn't. <laughs> Except it didn't. A fatal flaw. Fatal flaw. Um, which is Rainey's gets up there. It totally looks like she's going to dracarse them. Uh, clearly, Alicent and Aegon are ready to be burnt to a crisp because, like, they're not burnt even burnt to a crisp. They are not moving. Um, and yet, when Rain- Rainey's gets there, to the front with her dragon mouth open ready for dracarys she just kind of looks at them and this moment a little bit reminded me of when cersei reminded um ned that power is whoever has the biggest sword in the room right yeah it's power is not about the truth power is not about what you say it is power is who controls both the narrative and the sword in the room. So I think a lot of watchers were like, what the, f- why did she not? Dr- we could have ended all of this. Yeah. Right. With her just being like Dracarys. Every single one of those people on that stage was uh, per- actively participating in treason. Uh, she could have easily killed them, but it's complicated. I feel like uh, the interwebs was real split on this. Did she not kill them because she didn't want Rhaenyra to be queen? Or did she not kill them because she's above the fighting that, that is happening on both sides, right? Technically, when they were like, you don't get to be queen, the one benefit is that she gets to opt out of all of it, right? And yet a mishandled hand because her granddaughters are at play. Yeah. They are. Um, and also, if her point was, have you never thought to take the throne to Allison? If her point, this, these, these 30 years with Rhaenyra is you'll never be queen. I wish you would, but you're not going to be able to do it. Why Why the puff and fly away? I, I can't, I mean, I understand it from a storytelling perspective, but I just can't make sense of it. I. It's one of those moments, and obviously, sadly, before I could watch it, it was spoiled for me. Thank you, TikTok. Nothing's safe anymore. Granted, it was my fault um, from going on, you know, just 20 minutes after the show had aired, um, East Coast time. But what I think ultimately is the, they're trying to 
make the show about these two women in a way and their children that are squabbling and the men that are moving people around. And I think with Rainey's, they're trying to show her as that queen that will always be in waiting in a way. But the moment you could take power, you don't. It's just like when she said, Ned Stark, you could have taken the sword and... She definitely Ned Stark's did it. moment. She ne- this is a Ned Stark moment. This is and an episode nine Baylor moment. This is exactly why her- episode nine is important. She is half Targaryen, half Baratheon, right? So fuck me. Like, it's just, it's, it's, we will delve a lot more into this as Rainey's story kind of unfolds, but it's a sad moment because the thing she said to Allison, she was also unable to do. Yeah. Right. And for those who are like, she's above it. Like, why would she do that? There's a lot of TikTokers who were like, of course she wasn't going to blaze everyone. I'm like, says who? Daenerys would have Dracarys the shit out of them. Um, a hundred percent. But effectively this moment with the dragon is actually the beginning of the dance of dragons. And now right? we, did. we now have the greens and the blacks going both for the iron throne we have a set group of characters on each side. Well, that will be fleshed out much more, obviously, in the upcoming seasons. Um, and a lot of us are bracing for episode 10. <sighs> episode yeah. nine is always the episode that gets you. And I'm glad they're kind of sticking to tradition there. And what's I would say, I, I this is not a traditional nine for me. So I don't know what I expected of this episode. Um, but this wasn't it. And I think part of, part of that is, uh, you know, episodes nine are Battle of the Bastards. We've got... Um, Baylor. Yeah, the Sept of Baylor. We've got... Um, shoot, the Dance uh, of Dragons when... The first, the first season with yeah. the... Um, so, like, they tend to be battles. They tend to be dark. Um, and they tend to be kind of exhausting episodes, right? So this, I will say, I think there was a nod in the first scene, I don't know if you picked up on this, John. Um, it the by the way, this is scored by um, Ramin Jahadi from Game of Thrones. That first scene has music very similar to the Sept of Baylor, um, which I think is both a nod to the Seven and a nod to the way it was filmed, which is following this little boy, this little boy throughout the whole castle to eventually tell the queen's ladies maid the king is dead. But it feels like a, a scene you could transport into. The Sept of Baylor. Um, and so while I do know, and, and we'll give, grant you that I think there are ties to other historic episodes nine, I'm kind of thinking episode 10 might be the big one. I hope well, it is. I hope it is because they're going to have to leave us with something for, for, for a years, year, for a yeah. year, year and a half until year we start getting stuff. So, so we'll see. And y'all, that means that episode 10 this coming Sunday is the Dance of Dragons. I will be watching it live at a very large movie theater in Miami. Um, I will try to tweet out my um, my live tweets on the episode. Uh, I'm excited about it. I think I know what we're getting into. I think we should all brace. I think John and I have been telling you all all season, um, do not get attached to anyone. <laughs> um, there Don't get be- attached to any of these characters, listeners. No. And I think we need to just kind of like, psychologically prep for more agings up for more people walking in for sir Kristen cold and never age um oh my god that skincare routine the skincare routine is incredible but we're in it to win it we're in now so john let's ask the final question that you asked earlier team black or team green 
Team Black. Good, good choice. I don't want to be burned alive because I know you would yell, Dracarys. I would have Dracarys without thinking twice. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No. I know. I, I know. I would have done it um, in a hat. I would have done it with a bat. <laughs> I would have done it <laughs> with a shoe. I would have done it with glue. Um, I would have drunk Karis all of you. Um, yeah, just like a, just like, I was just like, what? I mean, I know I want more seasons, but what? <laughs> I know. I so, know. All right, y'all. That's it. That's episodes eight and nine. Uh, thanks for, for sticking with us through the end. Uh, and we'll be back on Sunday. See you later. <laughs>